One thing that's certain is the uncertainty of the environment, and, and certainly when you come from a small nation and a small resource base, and quite rightly a small defence force that's tailored to the size of the nation, what it can afford, you have to be prepared for a variety of operations. Look, there's, there's going to be some certainty, you know, so disasters before both New Zealand and the Pacific and the region of the world, and we've always been at the lead in responding to those. So there are some of those certainties. One of the unfortunate certainties is that human conflict will continue and it is becoming manifestly more dangerous and less rules-based. It's very hard for us in New Zealand to sort of reconcile with that on our shores. It's a, we live in a, a blessedly peaceful part of, of the globe, although even in our own region and where the government's asked us to, to focus on in the, the southwest Pacific, there are lots and lots of challenge around sort of human security, crime, um, natural disasters, effect of the environment. In terms of the things, I guess, that, that you know you have to plan for, you briefly mentioned uh, the Pacific and concerns and potential instability there. And also, I guess, it kind of ties in a little bit that um, increasing pressure on New Zealand's maritime environment, um, the exclusive economic zone and maritime resources and that sort of thing. The Pacific first. What are the kind of things that you plan for there or, or the you know areas of particular concern? Well, 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 I think one of the things that we, we constantly do, and it's perhaps not planning for, but we, we actually deliver today, along with a variety of our other um, government agency partners, is helping uh, those smaller, more fragile, more developing states to be self-actualising, to, to be able to govern themselves and, and, and cope with, within the, their resource base as, as very small nations, so from a Defence Force uh, perspective, we'll work with people like His Majesty's Armed Forces in Tonga to uh, develop their capabilities, and we look at something like their resource protection, so their fisheries patrols, they have two patrol craft there, so we work along with our own people, uh, MPI, Foreign Affairs, and, and partners like Australia to help them to guard their own resources and police their own resources. Right. And um, uh, the other thing as well that has been mentioned is the changing kind of extreme weather patterns we're seeing. Is that likely to mean that we're going to be doing more of this uh, sort of disaster relief? Yeah, I thought, you know, so, so, so we're well practised and well versed, unfortunately, with, with disaster relief. But changing weather patterns and raising rising sea levels, you know, the... Uh, I was up in Papua New Guinea recently talking about the challenges there and, and they're really concerned with some of the rising sea levels and, and one of the islands up there, they, they claim or they state, uh, you're seeing your first climate refugees of, of people from an island that became untenable with a um, up near Bougainville there and part of that group. It became untenable because the rising sea levels, so the group from that island had to move to another island. One of the challenges you get there is then a sort of a cross-mix of those cultures as, as we've got a, a human population now that needs to be um, transposed onto another group and, and, and lots of tensions uh, result from that. That kind of brings me quite neatly to, to the second part um, that I was going to ask you about there, which is um, the increasing pressure on the maritime borders and security. What are the things that the Defence Force in particular, those IPVs and OPVs, might be seeing more of? Look, every, every day we have patrol craft and uh, both from the Navy and the um, Air Force out there looking at our exclusive economic zone, just fisheries, you know, it's a huge source of revenue for New Zealand and a huge wealth sits in our oceans. 
and um, there are people who are willing to exploit that if we're not out there uh, monitoring the, the fish catch, monitoring their behaviours in that zone. As the world population grows, as the drive for sort of protein diets uh, continues, those resources, if they're not policed effectively, both in our own region and the Pacific, are vulnerable for exploitation. That will cost New Zealand uh, millions and millions of dollars. Is there sort of thought as to where the Defence Force goes next or where it might be called on to help next? My job is to not to look out there and sort of... at the time to to sort of recommend we go to this operation or that that, that operation in our in our wonderful democracy you know it's not about saber rattling generals looking for the next war it's making sure that um, we as professionals prepare our force for whatever task that government decides. What are those kind of likely scenarios that that you might be preparing for in in the sort of short to midterm future at the moment? Well, you know, our government's asked us, and, and the current policy is to look to the types of scenarios that we have in the Pacific in our, in our own zone. So starting out from New Zealand, so I have a heavy focus on uh, the protection of our own EZ and working in the Pacific and, and a lot of enabling tasks up to, to relatively high in task if there is uh, violence in, in our own region. And then as we sort of get further afield into areas that we have partnerships within uh, elements of Asia, but also as a, you know, has been a traditional model as a good world citizen and an original uh, signatory and a designer of the United Nations Charter, we have always had a commitment in governments, regardless of shade of colour, have always had a commitment to uh, deploy New Zealand elements in the name of world peace. And, and you just look at some of those ones who have had us from Bosnia to Africa to Afghanistan to currently our people in the Middle East. And the range of tasks we've been after, uh, asked to undertake in there from humanitarian assistance to relatively high-end combat operations. You mentioned so it's hard to be specific. I'm not trying to be evasive, but that's just the, the nature of the world. For example, though, I mean, you mentioned the Ukraine earlier. Um, I mean, it's something like that. It seems, you know, from New Zealand very far flung, but as you said just then as well, we, we did go to Bosnia. I mean, is that something that comes into planning at all at the moment? Is, is that, uh, you know, anything that, that you've been starting to look at, the potentials there? Yeah, if no, the government so, were to, you know, so, ask for so, the so UN was no, to request. I don't look at uh, Ukraine and I don't look at countries in Africa and I don't look at countries in Asia. I look at the nature of conflict and, and, and there is something universal about the nature of conflict and I look at the trends and the types of responses. So it doesn't matter if it's in Ukraine or in Bosnia or in Africa. You know, the type of tactics that's being used against peacekeepers and uh, by the forces opposed to each other. You know, New Zealand's model is we go in as peacekeepers, you know, but often that involves having to create a vacuum which which involves armed conflict. And, and the model that some people have at the moment of a peacekeeper is with a blue beret that you can go in there and you're immune to the violence around you, that people will respect that. People used to respect the impartiality of the International Red Cross. People used to respect the impartiality of Médecins Frontières and those sort of international organisations and aid agencies, those that go in to help. That's no longer the case. The peacekeeper, blessed is the peacekeeper, um, are the ones that are being targeted by this um, 
terrible violence at the moment are being used deliberately to add to the chaos of the situation. Looking across that spectrum, I mean, and all the things that the Defence Force does at the moment, many, many of the tasks that the Defence Force carries out is, is not strictly uh, a combat or, or has any kind of combat element. Why, I guess, in your mind, do we need a Defence Force to do all of these things? What What is the benefit of that compared to, say, you know, having something like a kind of non-military Coast Guard? Yeah, of course, you know, a lot of our tasks that we undertake are non-combat related. And, and as a Chief of Defence Force, I'm really pleased with that. But I know from the past, you know, 30 years of my career and looking out into the future, I know that there is going to be continued conflict. I know that conflict appears to be coming manifestly more dangerous with, with its violence. And I could almost predict that the New Zealand government of the future will want New Zealand to respond. We are not going to, if you know, know anything about New Zealanders of its track record, and I can't see that in the future, will not sit here in splendid isolation and say it's somebody else's problem. That's not the New Zealand way. Therefore, a government will want us to respond. And we will, in my opinion, always need a defence force that's capable of responding and protecting itself and protecting those people that New Zealand government have decided that it's their interest to deploy and protect. You can dress it up any way you like, but it's combat. The thing that it mostly comes through is, is the stuff at home, the domestic stuff. Is it that kind of protection that, that we still need, even within our own territory, that, that keeps some of those tasks, maritime surveillance, search and rescue in our own waters within the realm of the Defence Force? Oh, look, look, I think a government could cut it either way. What our government presently is quite comfortable uh, with, that the types of tasks we, we do out there keep the Defence Force engaged and active, and, and they get great utility out of that us. Oh, look, that's significantly challenging. You saw the task that HMNZS Wellington un undertakes on behalf of the Department of Conservation, other government departments out there in the Southern Ocean. Um, yeah, could you contract that out? Probably. Hell, it would cost you a lot. Our support to the Antarctic, you know. We have incredibly capable people and assets that are trained at that high level, and then they have great great utility. You know, our response to the West Coast, um, the disaster down there, our response to, to Canterbury, you know, putting the labs on the streets, which was a little bit touch and go, but the people welcomed it. So I have those people who were veterans of Afghanistan and veterans of East Timor and the Solomons could then, you know, as a trained, disciplined force, assist government in a variety of other tasks. I don't know of any other model where a government could rely on a on a capability like that, people like that, a disciplined force that could provide the responses, that surety, you know, under their own sovereignty, they didn't have to go and write a check out or contract out, um, that can respond to, you know, crises at home or, you know, challenging tasks at home, as well as be a force of utility if and when a government requires, it's going to deploy it outside of our EZ to a, to a more challenging environment that at its top end involves combat.